Logical Progression, Year 3, Lesson 11. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa la'aqibatu lil-muttaqina wa la'udwana illa ala al-zalameen. Wa salawatullahi wa salamuhu ala ashar falambiyai wal mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'athu sahla wa anta tajulu al-hazna idha shi'da sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya rabbil kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Hayakumullah jami'an jazakumullah khair. So, my throat is a little bit anemiskin today. Last two days. My throat and my nose and whatever. I think, I don't know. Spent a lot of time shouting on the weekend. That didn't help. And I think also changing weather and stuff. But anyway, alhamdulillah. Interesting next, the next two lessons. So we are at the end of uh, the chapter of Nawaqid al-Wudu, the chapter of invalidating wudu, or the things which invalidate wudu. And um, the, uh, I mean, it's been obviously uh, a detailed chapter covering many things, um, but we have two more sessions, inshallah, which will then complete it, and then we will start the new chapter, an important one, which is Kitab al-Ghusl, the chapter of the... Uh, the bath, yani, the shar'i bath, that which is required to do after suffering major impurity. And then, it's into some interesting stuff. But anyway, uh, let's not look too far ahead. Alhamdulillah. Alright, so, just want to quick recap then on what we did uh, last time. We are on the final two paragraphs of that first page. Yeah? Or that, that last page of those. Um, Imam Hajawi, his, the translation of, he says, And whoever is certain of their state of purity, but doubts whether they became ritually impure, or the other way around completely, meaning they are certain of their state of impurity, but they doubt whether they became ritually pure, so that's what it means, they must build upon certainty. And that's what we covered the last time, and it seems ages ago, uh, but uh, that was the last time that we actually did our dars. That's what we uh, did. And we spoke about the benefits of certainty, the ease uh, 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 of this principle that doubt never overcomes certainty. Once something is established, you can bring all the doubt in the world, but it's not going to help. And then we had this very helpful little kind of table, I hope that you wrote it down, from Sheikh Muhammad Bukhtar al in which he was able to divide up the different levels of certainty, of likeliness, into how many types we can remember? We can remember from the lesson. Don't let me cry my eyes out. Okay, Zafar, yeah? <laughs> That's good because you know what? It was the lesson before then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's really good because actually three weeks ago. <laughs> so we had Waham. Yes. And we had Shek, and we had Avon, and we had Yaqeen. Yes? So we had Waham, and we had Shek, and we had Avon, and we had Yaqeen. I don't know what you want to call this, but you could call it, like I said, the scale of likeliness. Right? Uh, that something has happened or something has occurred. Now, Waham was just basically, you know, just, just musings, just ideas. And inshallah, I know that we are a few weeks behind, uh, only a few weeks, but inshallah you will see us catching up over the next few weeks as well, 
because we've just been getting a few things into order, changing a few systems. So I know that the transcribed notes have not all been uh, up to date on the portal, but they will be. And the table which has been written out in the portal, in the transcribed notes, is very nice, and so it will come. But it's good that you always have your own notes. So, Waham is that beginning of an idea. As Sheikh Muhammad Bukhtar said, here, Bidatul Ilm is the beginning of, you know, starting to have some kind of concept of knowledge. In fact, it's right here in front of me. Why am I just trying to show off and show that I can memorize it when you can read it from here? Okay, so, Waham. And they said that in terms of a scale of likeliness, this is between 1 to 49%. So when you are between 1% to 49% sure of something, then this is what would be called waham. It's basic, I don't know, actually that's the most difficult one to translate into English. What would that be? When you're 1 to 49% sure about something. When you're 2% sure of something. When you're 10% sure of something. What would you, what would you call that? No? Unlikely. unlikely. Good. Let's go with unlikely. Yeah. So unlikely. And then you have shek, which is bang on 50%. It's perfectly the, the doubt. That's the perfect translation, doubt. You're not sure. Could be right, could be wrong. Could have happened, might not have happened. Simply 50-50. So that's 50%. And then you have one. Now one is translated linguistically as speculation, as conjecture, etc., etc. But in this particular context, dhan means likely, isn't it? So likely will be then what percentage do you think? No, a bit more. 51 to 99, correct. Yeah, It will be 51 to 99 because even 99 would be very likely, yes? But it's not certain. And that's the point. And that, of course, it has a place in knowledge. In knowledge, likeliness has a place. As in law, it has a place. And غالب يعني most likely. Right? And, and I gave the example, and I, this is the dress I gave in Pakistan. Um, I gave the example that 99, uh, uh, the, the English civil system, okay, or legal system, court of law, they only require you to be guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Beyond reasonable doubt, not 100%. So that's like, you know, beyond likely means 60%, 70%, 80%. I, you can't put a number on it, but I can tell you one thing. It's definitely not certain. That's the point, all right? And that's something which is well recognized in, in this particular time. And then certainty is 100%. Certainty is 100%. So it's, that's just a useful little primer to have with respect to... A certainty. So whoever is certain of their state of purity, meaning you 100% made wudu. But now you're not sure whether you broke your wudu. Well listen, 100% can never be taken over by 80, 90, 99, 50, 40. It can't happen. And if you are 100% you broke your wudu, you just come back from the toilet, but you're just not sure whether when you were coming out of the toilet, did you make a quick wudu or not? Alright? But you know 100% that you went to the toilet. Then you have to go back and make wudu. Because the uncertain fact, which was you're not sure whether you did wudu on the way out, that was yani now. Uh, and this last example is very important. Everyone who's watching, listening, make sure you write, you write that or you think about this carefully. That's the best example I can give you. Alright? You've gone to the toilet, the bathroom. You've definitely broken your wudu. 
Okay? Definitely. You've made this tinja. Because you know that there was one process. You were sitting on the toilet, you definitely broke your toilet, but and you made this tinja. There's no fact, there's no difference about that. The only now doubt is that as you went to wash your hands, which again there's no doubt about, you just can't remember a few minutes later when you're thinking about this, when you're putting your jacket on, did you make wudu or not? So now you go back and you listen to this qaida here, this maxim, this rule, this principle, this asal, that certainty is never overcome by doubt. My breaking of wudu was certain, my did I make wudu was doubtful, I have to now go make wudu. So that's the implication. Now, our today's lesson is about a very different situation based upon the same parameters and it's rare this is going to happen but you should be impressed as Sheikh Uthameen also points out that the scholars have ticked this off as well as a potential option of something happening okay this is how he described it he said she has this thing is underway um, whoever is certain of having whoever is certain of having been in both states but can't work out which state came first, then let him consider himself to be in a new state, which is the exact opposite to what, we, what, what he was in before these two final states. I'm going to read that again, and it still won't make any sense, but I'm going to read it again. Okay? Whoever is certain of having been in both states, but can't work out which state came first, then let him consider himself to be in a new state, which is the exact opposite to what he was in before these two final states. Let me read it again now with some commentary. Whoever is certain and has no doubt that they were both in wudu and they've both definitely broken their wudu. So unlike what I just described, what did I describe a minute ago? Someone tell me. Sure I broke my wudu. Weren't sure whether I made wudu. This is very different. I'm a hundred percent sure that I broke my wudu, and I'm a hundred percent sure that I made my wudu. The only thing that I'm not sure about, and this is I know it sounds ridiculous, is which one I did first. So I've come out of that bathroom and I don't know what I'm coming out with. Yeah, did I like in a brain dead moment did wudu first, then did the toilet? Or did I do the toilet first? I don't know. It does happen. It does happen, yeah? Well, you know Zafar, you know, mashallah, you know. He's a brave and honorable man. You see that? An honorable man is he who owns up to his sin. And let the one with no sin cast the first stone. Isn't it, Abu That's what they said that it says in the Bible, isn't it? We are interf- we're interfaith people, yeah? I don't know why people attack me and say that he doesn't do interfaith. I do so much, I just quoted the Bible for you, man. How can these Christians hate on me? I quoted the Bible. I was so interfaith for Allah, I went to a Jewish shop the other day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Allah, I went to a Jewish shop the other day. I said, let me do my bit of interfaith and buy myself a kosher thingy. So I bought myself a bit of salmon and cheese in a bagel. MashaAllah. Beautiful. Kosher salmon and cheese, cream cheese in a lovely kosher bagel. That's the happy part of the story. <laughs> There's another part of the story which is yani, not very nice, not very interfaithy, but it doesn't matter. These are yani, things between me and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of Facebook. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Allah, 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 
still will I feel sick. <laughs> All I'm saying is that on Brick Lane, there is no place that does kosher meat. Do not tri be tricked. There is no kosher salt beef on Brick Lane in East London. Don't let anyone try and tell you that there is. Don't go to TripAdvisor. Don't read the reviews on the internet. Don't listen to no packs called Abid Karim. Don't listen to any, anyone. Tiga, I've done a public service there with my bestie being sacrificed at the altar of honor. Okay? Done. All right. So, back to the dust. Whoever is certain of having been in both states, wudu and not wudu. Wallahi, Pakistanis, they taught me such a nice word for being in not, not being in wudu. Why is it? What did you, what do you say in, in Urdu when you're not in wudu? Not napak, not palit, astaghfirullah. What kind of pack are you, bro? Unbelievable. Well, if your father was here right now, honest to God, I do your bestie so much. Palit. Palit is najas, man. Even I know Urdu better than you do. And you're Punjabi, you are. I'm from Patan, I don't have no right to speak Urdu whatsoever. Okay? You know, it's something like that. Is that a proper word? Is that a proper actual word? I mean, that's like the kind of word I would make up. Wudu? Be wudu. Tamiz? Be tamiz. Like I would, as a Pathan, would just put be or be in front of anything to try and cancel out Yanidi. It's a real thing that you were fucked, but you do not have wudu. Be wudu. So I think it is Bewudu. If you say Bawudu, that means you are Bewudu. Bawudu. Ah, that's the Urtra that's flowing. That's, the, uh, that's what I remember. Bawudu means with. Bewudu means without. It's very good. I like that better than these two states business. In, 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 in Arabi, you're Mutawaddi. Okay. You have Wudu. Mutawaddi. Or Mutawaddi. Both. No problem. You have Wudu. Or your muhdath, yani you are you have you are in a set of hadith. Remember, hadith is ritual impurity. You've broken your wudu. You're in a set of hadith. I don't have wudu. It's just too much, yani. Ba wudu with wudu, be wudu without wudu. So I'm liking that. You're not sure. Are you ba wudu or be wudu? Okay. And. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm messing this up now. I am certain that I was Bawudu and Bewudu in a certain moment. I just can't work out which one came first. And so now I'm confused. What do you do? Then let me consider myself to be in a new state. So these are the two things that I've come out of the toilet with now. Don't know whether I am on or off. That's another way of doing it, English, yeah? On or off. The new state which I'm going to consider myself to be in is what? It's the exact opposite state to what I was in before I was in those two states. I.e., I am in a state to what was opposite to before I went into the bathroom. No, no, of course it happened first because I know, right? Let's, let's make a storyline here. So that's going to be another scenario. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. What if you don't know? What if you can't remember what happened? I agreed. So we're going to come to that as well. Well, you say that. There are some people who just go for tajdid al-wudu. 
to re renew their wudu, which is Sunnah, of course. Remember, we did that. Yeah. Anyway, so let's just go through this again. You've come out of the bathroom. You know that while she was in the bathroom, you broke your wudu and you made your wudu. You just can't work out which one you did first. And so now you don't know which state you're in now. So now you're going to say, okay, what's the rule? The rule is I have to be in the opposite state to what I was in before I went into the bathroom. So if I know that I was in wudu before I went into the bathroom, which is quite possible, because I went in wanting to go to the toilet, for example, I was in wudu, yes? Then I am now without wudu. That's what the rule says. Now I'm without wudu, I need to go make wudu now if I want to make it, yeah? If I know for certain that I was out of wudu, out of wudu, yani before I went in, now I am in wudu. That's the rule. I'm going to give you some examples now. Okay? Sheikh Erthameen. He says, For example, There is a person, He is absolutely He is absolutely yaqeen and certain that he had wudu from Salatul Fajr until sunrise. From Salatul Fajr until sunrise, which is a common state for all of us. Yes, he definitely had wudu. After sunrise, an hour after sunrise, bisa'a, he wanted to pray Salatul Duha. Okay? The, the forenoon prayer, which is Sunnah. He said, Ana mutayakinun Annahu min ba'da tulu'i shamsi ila al-ani hasra minni hadath wa wudu. Since that time, okay, from sunrise until now, which is one hour, I am certain that I had wudu and I was be wudu. I was in wudu and I was out of wudu. I know that for certain. But I don't know which one came first. What do we say to him? Now, what is he now? Until an mother. Without wudu, why? Why? Because he was sure that he was with when? Before those two states of which he was certain in that he was with and without. He was, there were certain states. He definitely did both of them. Just can't remember which one. Go back before. What was that? Wudu. Now therefore? Without wudu. And that is the rule. Simple as that. If you don't want to try and understand it, don't try and understand it. Otherwise, it's just a very simple rule. Just do the opposite. What in qal? If it was said, or if he said, After Fajr, I broke my wudu. Okay? I know for a fact. I prayed Fajr and I broke my wudu. Then an hour after sunrise, he now says to himself, I also know that in this one hour, I also know that in this one hour I did wudu and I broke my wudu again as well. What am I? 
Without wudu? Why with wudu? The opposite of what? Which way you prefer, which way you certain of before you deliver. Because you went to the toilet and then. Must make a new story. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you went to the toilet. And this time, what story is this one? <laughs> what, what is it that we are on? Correct. Correct. He is Tahir now. He is now can pray, no problem. Why? Because before these two certain states, he was in a state of bewudu. He had broken his wudu. Is that clear? That's the rule. According to the rule, I yes. understand the rule. Yes. But I don't understand how he's in wudu. Right. You don't know how he's in wudu. I understand. He's, he had wudu, he broke wudu, then he went to the bathroom. He's no, no, which one? No, no, wait, wait, which one are you doing? The second example. Second example. The second example, he had no wudu. Don't forget. Yeah. So yeah. He had wudu and then he broke it. And then he went to the bathroom. Yeah. And he's definitely not wudu and ba'wudu. Yeah, definitely both of them. So he definitely had wudu and he definitely broke wudu as well. So you're saying you go back to the original and then you do the opposite. Correct. Why? Uh-huh. Why? Why? <laughs> I'll just do my Indian head roll. Okay. That is the million dollar question. That's why you're a doctor. And that's why I'm sitting here explaining this. And that's why we're going to ask a sheikh. Sheikh Uthameen, he says, At-ta'aleel. At-ta'aleel, yani, the illa, the reason behind that. أَنَّهُ تَيَقَّنَ زَوَالِ تِلْكَ الْحَالِ إِلَى ضِدِّحَا وَشَكَّ فِي بَقَائِهِ وَالْأَصْلُ بَقَاءُهُ what was certain, what was certain, is the removing of the pre-existent state. What is doubtful is the remainder of that existent state and the asal, the golden rule, is always the existent, the, the continuation of the existing state. Yani, he definitely, for example, broke wudu. We definitely agreed that, yes? Then he goes into the bathroom. Two things definitely happen. Breaking wudu and making wudu. Two things definitely happened. The making of wudu is assumed as an example that means that the previous state has definitely been removed and what we're now not certain of is whether that state has continued or not we're not certain but what are we certain of at some point he removed the previous state not that he had wudu that at some point he removed the previous state. So that's certain. What's uncertain is whether that new state continued or not. Because of that uncertainty, we then continue that current state, which in a maths equation is actually the opposite to the original state. I will not lie to you. 
It took me three weeks and about 50 readings to understand this point. I'm telling you now. And the only reason that you're getting it now is because of the most amazing explanation I'm giving. MashaAllah, SubhanAllah. Allahu Akbar. Walillahi alhamdulillah. Okay. So he gets, he, so he gets, then he, then he goes, then he goes. Prophet Surah Al-Ula, so in the first example, it is certain that he had wudu until sunrise. Okay? It was certain that he had wudu until sunrise. Then, it is certain that he broke that wudu. Now, what there is doubt in is that state of broken wudu, has it gone or not? Has al-hadath or not? Has the state of ritual impurity gone or not? We're not sure because we're not sure of the order. But what we know for definite is that the previous state of wudu has been changed to a state of non-wudu. We just do not know now whether it has been removed or not. Again, did it come first and it come second? So we now have a new state of certainty and a new state of uncertainty. So in this new scenario, we now actually return back to the first first, uh, uh, principle. Whoever is certain of their state of purity but doubts whether they became ritually impure, they must build upon certainty. So, therefore, you are in a state of hadith because that's the only thing which is certain and you making another wudu was not certain and therefore that is why you are opposite to what you were before. But I think that's awesome to be honest. I hope it doesn't happen ever, ever in my life because I'm about to sit down and work out. Yeah. Can I just okay. say, this yep. This guy doesn't know where he's coming or going. But, no, no, no. He does know a little bit of coming and going because he does remember the previous state. So he's got half a brain. By the time he works it out, he might as well have done the work. Aha, uh-huh. now that's something else, isn't it, bro? You know what I mean? You're talking, uh, you're talking like ideal scenario. Bro, why are you sitting there doing maths for? Just do the, we'll do again. When it's cold. Yeah. It's water cold. That's what I'm saying, what if it's freezing cold like it is today? What if you don't even have any water? What if you're not sitting all, you know, chilling in, uh, in Chido or in, mashallah, hospital digs and where doctors get everything what they want by their nurses, yeah? Huh? A guy's got limited time, he's got to make a call. Everyone can't just go and jump around and make wudu. We need to know the ruling, isn't it, bruv? Bruv, you see, I've been, I've been teaching the, the companies and I'm just all bruv'd out. Bruv this, bruv that, bruv this, bruv, bruv, bruv. Guess you love the companies, right? Okay. Yes. Wouldn't it be better? Because of course, if I remember, uh, my certain of my last state, which was they were due. You remember for certain the last state. Yeah. How did you? How did you? How did? Which, in which example are you talking about? Second example. So before going to the toilet. Before you went to the toilet, I you remember that you didn't have wudu. I didn't have wudu. Yes. At the same time, wouldn't I also remember my intention of going to the going to the bathroom? If you did, then you wouldn't have this problem, isn't it? Isn't it? My, I mean, it's my intention. If I remember my intention. Yeah. The why I went to the toilet. Um, I don't remember. What had happened in the toilet. And then I just, my, my, isn't it better just for me to make wudu? That's your question? My question is, if I remember my intent, then I would remember my intent. Yeah. If I remember which state I was in, I would remember my intent. Wouldn't that be... Better? No doubt. There's no doubt if anyone has any kind of indication 
to where they're going, that's going to be better, okay? And I just want to, I just want to give a few more statements here, which will support basically what you're talking about, and that is that um, if, for intiyakna tahara wal hadath, if a person is actually sure that there was wudu that was made and that the wudu was broken, okay, but he doesn't remember. This is your man, okay? What happened beforehand? So my man has lost the plot completely, miskin. He can't remember what happened before. He didn't know what happened to him in the bathroom. <laughs> and he didn't know what happened in the bathroom. Yeah, and he doesn't know what's happening. Okay? And you can't remember anything. Then it's obligatory for him to make wudu. Are you happy with that? Okay? He can't remember what he, what he was before he went to the bathroom. He can't remember what happened inside the bathroom. He has to make wudu. Wajab al-wudu. There's not even a certain state that we can rule upon. We don't even have one certainty. You see, the rule that we just based everything upon, it was all based upon because we found out of all of those three states, we found one state of certainty. We were able to confirm 100% a state of certainty. What was that? That the previous state was removed by one of the two states. And then therefore, that will be the thing that we'll then use to give the final ruling. But in this state now, we can't remember what happened in the bathroom. The two states, we don't know which one came first. We can't remember what happened before. We've got nothing to build upon. Here, have to make wudu. This is the position of the Hanbali Madhab. Position of the Hanbali Madhab. You should also write down, as Sheikh Uthameen says, This must be the Hanafis, I think. That's me having a joke, by the way, not yani, the serious. They said that, the wudu is, is obligatory in all cases. No flapping around. As soon as you start thinking about bathroom or bathroom, just you have to make wudu. Khalas. You've lost the plot. You have wasted space. You're a loser. Your whole life is yani a loss. Make wudu. Whose position was that, sorry? <laughs> <laughs> it isn't saying, you know, Allah, he says, look, look in Al-Insaf, which is the big humbly book of comparative fiqh. I like the sound of this position. It sounds like my dad. Yeah? That sounds like right out of Deoband. Straight out of Compton. Straight out of Deoband. Straight out of the Hanafi school. Like no flapping about. You can't remember squat. You're thinking about what is this? Bakwas, one slap and make your although again. 100%. I like that. Brother. Simple. No flapping about, Shreve, isn't it? No messing around. Right. Okay then. Um. Anyway, and then Sheikh actually tries to give a reason for that. I don't think any reason required. He goes, look, he must give, he must make wudu ihtiyatan. Because he's not sure about what happened before. Sheikh Uthameen himself, he goes, He goes that, to be honest, after he's just given such a great explanation, to be honest, which is Allah khair, rahmatullah, he gave a good explanation. He says, to be honest, the position of he has to make wudu, Yani, this last final statement, the one that I very unfairly or maybe super correctly have attributed to the Hanafi school. He goes, that's a safer position, to be honest. He goes, that's the most encompassing position. You really don't know what's going on, he goes. Now he's going to do a critique of this theory. I don't want to go into that because I don't want to break all your confidence and your hearts and minds, okay? But he goes, but for example, if after sunrise, he... Uh, is sure that he broke wudu and he had wudu, but he can't work out which one was first, then it's actually possible, and this is the thing he, he goes, it's at, 
it's actually possible that he went into the bathroom with wudu, he renewed his wudu, okay, thereby not cancelling the previous state, and then broke his wudu, okay, and فصار يجب عليه wudu الآن, and he goes, therefore, of course, he should make wudu right now. He goes, if this is possible, he's not going to be able to get out of the situation except if he makes wudu. So Sheikh Muthamin makes the, the practical point, which I think everyone will do. But listen, it's not, about the, it's not about the practical point. We are studying Islamic laws, then about the theory. There's many benefits in understanding this. It's possible that there's a scenario where there isn't water, so we need to know the answer in the theoretical state. Number two, we're not flapping around. This is possible that it could happen. Number three, and this is the most important point, which is what I mean. He says, He goes with these uh, 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 categorization and description and tabulation of these possibilities. You see the accuracy of the people of knowledge, of how they sit down, they work out all the possibilities to cater for the masses. And he goes that it's not even, it's very unlikely that a single mas'ala will, will, will occur in the minds of people except that you'll find a ruling for it. And that's so true. You just need to have the knowledge to go back and find it. You know, a lot of us say we can't find it, can't find it. You know what we find the big difference between us and the scholars, the proper scholars, like the senior scholars? They do know where it is. That's the difference. They have come across it. They do have spent their extra years reading more, finding the issue. You know, that's the big difference, big difference. And this is from the preservation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his sharia. This is the system that he has created in the people to protect the sharia. Our sharia is protected. How many attempts, subhanAllah, day and night from people within our religion, from people outside of our religion to ruin the system? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises their element to preserve it. And that's something to, to, to make consideration. Because we always think about what? The people of Quran, yes? And how they preserve the Quran for us when the rest of us don't know anything. Yes? And we always talk about the people of Hadith. We don't know anything about Hadith. And they spend their entire lives sifting it and creating for us authentic collections. Well, likewise, the Sharia. All of the possibilities are already calculated with their reasoning so that people can come afterwards. And if they understand the reasoning, they can pick up where they left off. If they don't understand the reasoning, at least memorize the rulings. And that's the only part of the... the, 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 the and if it wasn't for these wonderful, honorable scholars, Sheikh Rathamin is speaking like this about these other scholars, those who uh, divided this from the Book of Allah and the Sunnah, the Messenger of Allah, we would have missed so much of knowledge. We can, we can. Uh, conclude this particular chapter. Listen to this carefully. He goes, I personally think that this wudu therefore should be obligatory. What wudu? The wudu of when you're not sure about one, two, three, four factors, blah, blah, blah. I just think it should be obligatory. Bang. He goes, and if you're not going to take it as obligatory, then you have to accept at the very least it is sunnah to make wudu again because of the doubt. Why? Because the fuqaha, the jurists, may Allah have mercy upon them, they said that once doubt starts to get stronger, 
Once doubt starts to become stronger, then it is more of a sunnah to make wudu so that your purity can be upon more certainty. More upon certainty. So if there is a situation where you know or you're confident of what you're on, but the doubt is getting stronger, then it is sunnah. Not obligatory. Not oblig- it is sunnah to make wudu so that at least there is absolutely no doubt. But let's not fudge over the main lesson of this chapter. And that is, certainty can never ever be removed of doubt. Allah will never hold you accountable. This is one of the great principles of the religion. You do not have to act upon doubt whatsoever. Once you've established the base position, you can hold to it. This uh, organization that we just did of the rule is a valid one. And we should know that this is from the beauty of this religion and from the ease of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. And I explained that in detail when it was in Pakistan. Therefore, we can conclude in this chapter that there are four states that a person will be in with respect to this wudu, whether he's in wudu or not. The first state is that he is definitely sure of his wudu and he's unsure whether he broke it. What's the ruling? He's in wudu. The second state, he is absolutely sure that he broke his wudu but he's not sure whether he made wudu or not. His state is, doesn't have wudu. The third state, he is absolutely sure that he broke his wudu and made his wudu. He's absolutely sure that he made his wudu and broke his wudu. He just can't work out which one was first. And he knows the situation before. The opposite of that situation before. That's the ruling. Opposition to the And the fourth state. He's absolutely sure that he made wudu. And he's absolutely sure that he broke wudu. And he can't remember what he did before. He has to make wudu. Obligatory to make wudu again. Those are the four states that have been described in this paragraph. And that is the conclusion of that. Oh, yes. The class position is exactly that. Exactly as he has said it. The, oblig- the, ob- the obligation, the obligation of wudu, okay, the obligation of making wudu, only comes in <clears throat> in the final state, in the final scenario, where a person has absolutely no idea, and at every other time it is sunnah. Okay, According to the, the, the two examples that we gave, yeah. based on that, there are four states. Yeah. But according to what the position that we're taking that he doesn't know what happened in the bathroom, yep. as if he's sure he made wudu and different wudu, yep. there are only three states. In that you're saying that the scholars said that you should definitely make wudu? Yeah. That's what Sheikh Uthameen said. Yeah. He said that a person should act as if it's obligatory, and if not, at the very least, it's a sunnah. But this is, this is not a position. Mm. I want to make it clear, that's not a fiqh position, because the fiqh position is what's calculated upon evidence. What he's saying is what practically we should do. Like throughout the entire class that I've been saying to you, this is my position, this is what I do. This is like, you know, this is what we do practically. Uh, because I'm just not confident about this, so I make wudu, or I do wash this, or I do do that, whatever. So Sheikh Uthameen himself, he's saying that, and when this confusion occurs, then it's best, not in the first two, in the third scenario, yeah? In the third scenario, yeah, for, as you said, the third and the fourth scenario frames the same. Third and the fourth scenario frames the same. You can't work out what was the order. You forgot the wish one, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you might remember what it was before, but there could have been a few X, Y, Zs. 
it's obligatory for you to make wudu and that's how you should see it. If not, technically, there's no doubt that it's a sunnah. When Sheikh Uthameen himself is not sticking to his own guns like that, it's very clear what his point is. His point is not a legal position, his point is practical advice for the, for the student of knowledge. So the class position would be? The class position would be that it is sunnah absolutely to make wudu in all of the scenarios and that it's obligatory in the last, the fourth scenario where he has absolutely no, no idea what's going on. And in the third scenario, the one that we described in a lot of detail, he should make wudu that is safer. It is ahwat. It is safer that he sees it as obligatory upon himself and does it. But if he doesn't do it, he cannot be held sinful because there's no evidence to be able to hold him sinful to. Does that make sense? Yeah? There's a lot of kind of flapping around there, but I hope that that kind of, that, 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 that some sense came out of that. Yeah? Okay, so let's start the... Yeah. The first scenario where he's certain that there was a wudu but not certain uh, whether he broke it or not. Uh, what does the Hanafi So, uh, in the Hanafi school, you're asking, in the first scenario, a person, he's not... Oh, you mean uh, a person, uh, uh, sorry, uh, of the four you mean? Oh yeah, meaning that he definitely held wudu and then he's not sure. Oh, the Hanafi position is that he has wudu. In fact, not only the Hanafi position, all of the scholars have this position. All of the scholars have agreed upon that when a person is certain of wudu, but then doubtful about whether he has broken wudu, and that doubt could be in any of its expressions. Did I go toilet? Did I just pass wind? Did I hear something? Did I see something? Did I all of this because all of the hadith cover all of these scenarios? When the person he thought that he had passed when the Prophet said very very clearly to him, unless you hear something or smell something, just the feeling, just the whatever is not good enough, just the doubt not good enough. There has to be certainty. Yeah. So all of the scholars rule upon this basic principle that wudu remains as an asal as the status quo until certainty cuts it off. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Shall I just do some online? <clears throat> if there's any questions online, because I'm thinking of maybe uh, the next session is a, is a big one, but it will take one whole session. I can start it um, or all take it in the next one. So if there's any people who want to ask questions, then I get that we can then do those now. If not, then we'll give them a few minutes to get themselves together, the people online, if they have any questions up until now. Because the next, and I'm just going to read out the next text, okay? وَيَحْرُمُ عَلَى الْمُحْدِثِ الْمُحْدِثِ Which is the same as مُحْدَثِ يعني the one who is in the state of wudu' بِي وُضُو وَيَحْرُمُ عَلَى الْمُحْدِثِ مَسْنَ الْمُصْحَفِ مَسْنَ الْمُصْحَفِ وَالصَّلَاءِ وَالطَّوَافِ Okay, it is impermissible for the one without wudu, the muhdith, to touch the mushaf, the Quran, which we're going to talk about, to pray or to perform the tawaf. Or to perform the tawaf. Let's start that actually because it's quite, quite, quite a big one. Okay, so let's start straight away. The Sheikh says it is impermissible for one without wudu to touch the mushaf. What's the mushaf first of all? The mushaf is that which the Qur'an is written in. The Qur'an is written in. Suhuf, okay, our pages. Mus'haf is referring to a collection of pages, linguistically. 
سواء كان كاملا أو غير كامل. A mushaf does not get the ruling based upon whether it's complete or not. A mushaf is a mushaf even if one single ayah, Sheikh Uthameen says, حَتَّى وَلَوْ آيَةٌ وَاحِدَةٌ كُتِبَتْ فِي وَرَقَةٍ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ مَعَهَا غَيْرَهَا If there is a piece of paper which has nothing else written upon it except a complete ayah, it gets the ruling of mushaf. Okay? So a single piece of paper that has a complete single minimum, single ayah, with nothing else, no tafsir, no footnotes, no explanation, no X, Y, Z, then it then takes the ruling of mushaf. So what do we learn there? We learn that the word mushaf is referring to the complete one and the non-complete one. Yeah. Come to that. All, all, all part of this lesson, inshallah. Okay? All part of this lesson. Oh, oh, this lesson. Uh, meaning the ruling that we will apply to this piece of paper with the, 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 the full eye written down will be the same ruling that we apply to a mushaf. That's how Shaykh Uthameen starts off this chapter. And likewise, the board. We don't have this in country in here. But in Pakistan we use it, and in Northwest Africa, many of the Muslim countries, the wooden board, the lawah, where you get the ink and you write on the board, and then you wash it off. Yes? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yes? Okay. That was, huh? Takhti. Yeah. He didn't know that. Don't try. Shut up. You are such a nakli pack, yeah? Have you seen that? As soon as he said it, it came. Shut up, yara. Just take it like a man and say, I'm a nakli pack. You know, you know what the worst thing is? He's born in Pakistan. Born in Pakistan. Yes, you were. Oh, shut up, man. <laughs> okay, then. He was born in Manchester. And then you want to live in Pakistan for how long? Seven, eight years. That's even worse, isn't it? <laughs> huh? His formative years are in Pakistan. The culture, the language, just not anything. And he was even born in Pakistan. He didn't even know what Pakistan is. He didn't even know. If he saw India on the map, he'd say, this is Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> and even he knew Takhti is the <laughs> word. Takhti. No need. You know this bench here? This, what do you call this? What do you call this? Patra. Patra. Okay, in Urdu term, yeah? What about in English? What do you call it in English? Bench, isn't it? You never call it a table, would you? <laughs> yeah? My, my missus the other day, she goes to me, can you make me one of these tables? Or get me one of these tables? I go, what kind of table? She goes, the one you can sit on the floor and, and, and thingy at. I said, I don't want one. Short one. Thinking, what's she on about? She must be thinking about some IKEA flex, yani, whatever, whatnot. She goes, table, it's a proper table, it's a desk. I said, you pack? <laughs> Are you talking about a bench? <laughs> <laughs> this is, I know, I know, a bench is what you sit on. That's obviously what she thought, innit? She thought, I can't say bench because that's what you sit on. But a bench, in our thinking, we know what this is, yeah? everyone knows this is a bench. You don't need to have sat out one and got beaten, Yanni, okay? To not know, to, to not know it's a bench. Everyone knows it's a bench. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, now, what did Sheikh Atamin say? He said that the law, 
has some some exceptions. Okay, but there are uh, sorry. The loh takes the ruling, the the, the 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 slate, the wooden slate. It takes the same ruling as mushaf, but there are some exceptions. Now, when the author says one without wudu, the muhdith, okay, in Arabic, he means by that muhdith meaning hadith asghar or akbar. Alright, meaning that it could be in a state of sexual impurity as well as just yani, not have wudu. It's including both states, okay? Because why? Al muhdith. The word al has been, the definitive has been used, and the al therefore encompasses both states. It's the impure one or the one in a state of impurity, not a minor impurity or both of them. Okay. What's hadath? Let's remind ourselves. Okay. Wal hadathu. وصف قائم بالبدن يمنع من فعل الصلاة ونحوها مما تشترط له الطهارة. It is a attribute, an existent attribute upon the body, or on the body, okay, which prevents a person from praying and other things for which purity is a condition. That's what hadith is. That's what ritual impurity is. Let me describe ritual impurity again. What is a ritual impurity, or what is ritual impurity? It's an attribute. Of the self. It's a state. An attribute of the self. A state. Which prevents that person from praying or doing other actions for which purity is a condition. That is what ritual impurity is. What's the evidence? That the one who has no wudu cannot touch the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says... Well, I, uh, Uthman, get me a uh, Mus'haf, the English one. Uh, anyone? Yeah, anyone does a translation. So, Shaykh uh, Uthameen, he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says from the Quran, إِنَّهُ لَقُرْآنٌ كَرِيمٌ فِي كِتَابٍ مَكْنُونٌ لَا يَمَسُّهُ إِلَّا الْمُطَهَّرُونَ تَنْزِيلٌ مِنْ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Surah Al-Waqi'ah Verse 77 to 80. I wanted to read a proper translation, but I will... Um, nothing there? No, no more, whatever? Yeah, that'll do. What's that? Sahih? Yeah, that's a good one. So... Uh, indeed, it is a noble Qur'an. Now you see, you see, this is a good part of the lesson. Translations which already adopt a position of fiqh. You see, this is not the lesson for this, but it is a lesson you need to know. Qur'anic translation, English translations, okay. You see, is this being shown over there on screen as well? No, on uh, online? No, uh, uh, there's one now that's on the screen for us here, and this one I am sure is Mosin Khan. And it says, Look, yeah, that this is indeed an honorable recitation, Quran Kareem. Fikitabin Maknoon is translated by, by Mosin Khan as in a book which is well guarded. And look in brackets. With Allah in the heaven, i.e. the Lawh al-Mahfuz. This is referring to the preserved tablet. This is referring to 
the tablet upon upon which everything has been written. Yes, Allah al-Mahfud. Okay, which none can touch but the purified. And look in brackets, i.e., the angels. You see how a person's own fiqh opinion is affecting their translation. However, at least, however irritating it is, at least Muslim Khan has put it in the brackets. At least he's put it in the brackets, isn't it? Allowing you to make that decision, but kind of pushing you in that direction. As for this one, okay, indeed it is a noble Quran, the Quran al-Kareem, fi kitab al-maknun, in a register well protected. Now the word register, okay, the word is kitab, isn't it? Kitab means book. In there they've said, in a book well, well guarded. Mohsin Khan said, in a book well guarded. Sahih International, which I like, by the way, as a translation, they've said, in a register well guarded, well protected. So they've already applied their fiqh ruling. They didn't put in brackets, they've come straight out, they said, this is the preserved tablet. No doubt about it. Meaning the original tablet. That's why they're calling it the register. They're not calling it a preserved tablet. They're not calling it a law They're giving it a name called the register. Because it's the original kind of record. Yeah? And then none touch it except the purified. In my one, none can touch it but the purified in their one. Actually, in Sahih International, again, they put the angels in brackets. They haven't gone full hog on that. They haven't got the confidence to put that. that none can touch it but the angels. They've actually translated it linguistically. Our discussion, of course, is going to cover whether is it the angels or is it a linguistic meaning of those who are impure. Because the purified, does it mean that the meaning... None can touch it except the Muslims who purify themselves with wudu. Is that what its meaning is? Or is its meaning that none can touch it except the angels? That's the question. And it is a revelation from the Lord of the worlds. Tanzeelu min Rabbil Alameen. And that one, a revelation from the Lord of the Alameen. That's a useful point, Wallahi. And it is, it is here where the whole issue is going to be uh, determined. The whole, you know, the whole aspect... Okay, is going to be determined here. Now, what does uh, Sheikh say? He goes that the what's the basis for the uh, 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 argument? The basis for the argument. This is a proof that you can't touch the mushaf. Is that the pronoun la yamasuhu? They are not allowed to touch it. Goes back to the Quran. So it is a noble Quran in a preserved tablet. And it is not to be touched except by the pure. What is it? La What is it? None can which none can touch. You see in the English, which and in brackets, right? Because which is the pronoun? That's the who. What's it going back to? Is it going back to the book well guarded of Allah? Or is it going back to the Quran. Do you understand the argument? Let me start again. Alright? There's two books that have been mentioned. Or two th- objects. Or two things. Yes? Not object. Two things. Let's go for the object. It's Quran. The first is Quran. This is indeed a honorable recitation. Number one. In a book which is well guarded. Lawhi Mahfud. Kitab al-Maknun. Okay? None touch it. Touch what? Which one? The Quran? Or the book? The first one or the second one? You said Quran, why? 
Because that was the first thing that was mentioned. Okay. Is that grammatically sound in English? What happens in English when you come across a passage and you have a pronoun? What's the rule? The last thing that you mentioned. You agree? So even by your theory, agree, change. But, anyone else? This is showing on the screen, isn't it, Shaz? Yeah? It needs to be showing, yeah. It was showing before. Huh? You see, the point is, is that we have, this is a Qur'an, this is an honorable recitation, in a book which is well-guarded, so we have two possibilities, which none can touch but the purified. Our translator has already made his mind up, yeah? In brackets, he said, Book of Allah. He's chosen the second one. Okay? He's chosen the second one. And... The Hanbalis, or the text of fiqh that we're studying, they've chosen what? The first one, because they said it's referring to the Qur'an. None can touch it, the Qur'an, except the pure. لِأَنَّ الْآيَاتِ سِيقَتْ لِتَّحَدُّثْ عَنْهُ بِدْلِيلِ قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى تَنْزِيلٌ مِنْ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Here's the evidence that the Hanbalis said. The Hanbali said, what is this whole ayah talking about? What's the ayah talking about? The Qur'an. Because Allah then says, it's a revelation from the Lord. In the next ayah, isn't it? A revelation from the Lord. What's a revelation from the Lord? It's the Qur'an. So the whole thing is all about Qur'an. The whole subject is about Qur'an. The whole verse is about the Qur'an. What else is he talking about? Okay? وَالْمُنَزَّلْ هُوَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَالْمُطَهَّرْ هُوَ الَّذِي أَتَى بِالْوُضُوءِ وَالْغُسْلْ مِنَ الْجِنَابِ بِدِلِيلِ قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى وَلَكِنْ يُرِيرِ يُطَهِّرَكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, okay, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, which we covered in detail of course, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just wants to purify you. لِيُطَهِّرَكُمْ So in the Qur'an, Muslims have already been referred to as people who need purifying. So that takes care of the don't, only the purifier can touch it. The whole verses are talking about the Qur'an. So therefore, putting one and one together, one and one and one together, we get two. That these are all verses about the Qur'an, and Muslims need purifying, and it's just basically telling us that you need to be pure before you can touch it. What have you just seen? You've seen how the opposite, as we're going to show now, okay, can be assumed, and it will come through in a translation, and it shows you how difficult it is to translate the Qur'an without putting your personal opinion upon it. Your own fiqh position. This is purely fiqh. Yeah? It's your opinion. That, uh, this is tafsir al-Qur'an bil-Qur'an as they say. The, the, how we came to this decision of how we translated it, our one, we used other verses of the Qur'an to help us translate the rest of the Qur'an. We looked at the fourth verse to help us translate that this was the Qur'an. We looked at the verse of Surah Al-Ma'idah to work out that the people that are pure are not the angels, but people who need to be purified in this dunya. That is the evidence from the Qur'an. Sheikh Uthameen says, Sheikh Uthameen says, فَإِنْ قِيلْ يَرِدُ عَلَى هَذَا الْإِسْتِدْلَالِ أَنَّ اللَّهِ فِي قَوْلِهِ لَا يَمَسُّهُ نَافِيَ وَلَيْسَتْ نَاهِيَ لِأَنَّهُ قَالَ لَا يَمَسُّهُ وَلَمْ يَقُلْ لَا يَمَسَّهُ Okay, la yamassahu, la yamassuhu, la yamassahu. This is an interesting grammatical point. Sheikh Uthameen, he says, if it is said, okay, it could be said that the word la, that they do not touch it, it is a nafia, and not don't touch it. 
not a nahiya. You know the la, la yamassuhu, that's what it says in the Quran. La yamassuhu is a statement of fact. La yamassuhu is a statement of prohibition in the Arabic grammar. You can only tell that because of the change of the fatha and the dhamma on the word masuhu, masahu. Look at the ayah. What does it say? Huh? Masuhu. Therefore, none touch it except the purified is the correct translation. But you could, you could theoretically look at it the other way and say that it is prohibited by changing it to la yamassahu. It would be impossible for you to touch it unless you're purified. You are not allowed to touch it unless you are purified. Sheikh says, he goes and I don't think this is a, I don't think this is a particular issue to be honest this is not a, a problem I don't think in, in, our, in our discussion because this discussion is going to go back and forth what we'll do is that we'll call this okay session um, and then we'll in the next one we will Take it apart. Take it apart. I want everyone to stay seated. Okay. Um, uh, any questions, Jess? Uh, could the Sheikh please explain again the fourth point that Sheikh Ibn made previously on page 314? The point on 314, the fourth point is a simple one. Person, he goes into a bathroom, he doesn't. He knows that he made wudu and he broke wudu. But he can't remember which one came first. So he did two things. He didn't know which one was first. And before he walks into the bathroom, he didn't know what his state was. So because he doesn't know what the state was, doesn't know anything at all, it is obligatory upon him to make wudu, and that's our class position as well, because he's got nothing to base anything upon. Surely you can't break wudu and then... Surely you can't, uh, surely you can't break wudu and then break wudu again. The order would be that you broke wudu and then made wudu and then broke it again, right? Right. If you are awake... And you are normal, and you are not zafar, and you are whatever. <laughs> but in the presence of these extenuating circumstances, it's possible that you would. Done. خلاص ذاك ملا خير سبحانك اللهم بحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت واستغفرك اللهم وأتوب إليك وسلام عليكم ورحمة الله.